reaching Israel and the world. Baruch Hashem, beloved ones, bless the name of the Lord. Welcome today to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. I want to begin simply by thanking all our partners. Because of you, this broadcast is made possible. You know, honey, in Hebrew, we call God's commandments mitzvot. A single commandment would be a mitzvah, all of them together, the mitzvot. And Christians sometimes don't understand that although we're not under the law, the law is a self-revelation of Hashem, of God, and it discloses His heart. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And when you obey me, I'm going to come to you and make my home with you. So when we put God's precepts into practice in our life, what we're actually doing is creating a channel for him to impart us with his presence. Wow, it's really powerful when we see it as it's a gift. The things that he wants us to know, it's a gift for us. It, it's, it's so that we can live a life that's full and not as some kind of a, a taskmaster master or a, a heavy uh, weight upon us, but it's, it's something that as we take a hold of it in the Spirit of God, with the revelation of God, and the implementation of it with His Spirit, it brings life and not a, a burden on us. So today we're praying that, that you receive the fullness of freedom through what we learn in the law of God. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. And the reason they're called the Synoptic Gospels is because Matthew, Mark, and Luke all synchronize with each other and tell us the same story. The Gospel of John, however, is very unique. It's separate from Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the sense that it brings to us a whole different dimension. Whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke are primarily focused in space and time, John is focused in the spirit and eternal realities. For example, John reveals to us Jesus' words, where Jesus said, I am from above, you are from below, you are from this world, I am not of this world. In other words, the Gospel of John speaks to us of the mysteries of the spirit. This particular series that I'm in is called Mysteries from the Gospel of John. We're now in the fifth season of this series, and I'm going to simply pick up where I left off last week. I encourage you to go back and watch all the earlier episodes. You can do so on YouTube and visit our website for information. We're picking up now in the fourth chapter. Now, Jesus had just got done dialoguing with the woman at the well. He told her how he had water to give her, that if she drank of it, it would eventually become within her, through the course of her life, a well that would satisfy her deepest longings as a human soul, because she had been created to know God, and only in being brought into intimacy and relationship with Him would her deepest heart's desires be fulfilled. And I went into great depth there. Again, I encourage you to go back and watch those episodes. I want to move on now and cover some new territory. Jesus left the well. He left the woman from Samaria. And his disciples are walking. We pick back there up at verse number 30. They went out of the city and people were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, 
I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I want to take a couple steps back and think about this concept of how doing the will of God becomes food to us. Again, Jesus refused the earthly food and he said, I have food to eat that you guys don't know anything about. I'm eating from a different place. There's something that I'm eating and I'm eating in a way that, that you guys are ignorant about. My food, Jesus said to them, is to do the will of Hashem, to do the will of the Father. Now I want to take that concept that Jesus modeled for us and I want to try to make some application for your life and for my life. We don't understand that doing the will of God, that obeying Him actually is food for us. Some people when they relate to the will of God, they relate to the will of God as if the will of God is law, like as if it's rules, as if it's simply commandments that they're obligated to keep and somehow by keeping them, God's wrath won't be upon them and if they keep them enough, they won't go to hell. In other words, they look at obedience to the Word of God as simply something that they have to do to get to heaven or something that they have to do to be in good standing. But beloved, it's so much more. Doing the will of God, obeying His commandments, relating to His law through spiritual eyes actually becomes food to us. We read in the New Testament that the law is good for those that use it lawfully. What does that mean? That when we approach the law of God, both in the Hebrew Bible and the commandments of Jesus, when we approach them with the right spirit, it's all good for us. In other words, a lot of Christians have been taught that we should completely forsake the law of God in the Old Testament. But the New Testament never teaches us to completely forsake the law of God as if it's irrelevant, as if it has no purpose. What the New Testament does teach us is that we have to relate to the law contained in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible properly in the spirit. Let me give you an example. The Lord, Hashem, gave the children of Israel the commandment of keeping Shabbat. It's part of the Ten Commandments, keeping the Sabbath, taking one day a week and resting unto God. We, many of us as New Testament believers, think there's no relevance for that principle in our life because we think the law has been done away with. But Jesus himself in the book of Mark said that the Sabbath was made for man. Notice that when Jesus brings up the Sabbath, which is the fourth of the Ten Commandments, He doesn't bring up the Sabbath as some type of rule that we need to submit to, to be considered righteous before God, but rather when Jesus brings up the law or the commandment of the Sabbath, He says it was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath, rather the Sabbath was made as a gift for man. What I'm trying to help you understand is that Jesus said His food 
was to do the will of him who sent him. And when we approach God's self-revelation, which is given us through his commandments, through his laws, through his ordinances, when we approach it in a way that we're not under it, but that there's life in relating to it properly, it becomes food to us. So, for example, with the Sabbath. For me, I practice Shabbat from Friday night at sunset to, to Saturday night at sunset. I'm a Jewish person, and I want to relate to my God as a Jewish person. I don't feel like I'm under the law. But for me, Shabbat is important. It's holy. And when I practice Shabbat, beloved ones, not making this a rule or a law for you, but for me as a Jew, when I practice Shabbat, it's food for me because I disconnect myself from responsibility. I stay at home or very close to my home. I rest. I read spiritual literature. I enjoy my family. I disconnect from the world to just be before God, to be a human being rather than a human doing. I just put myself on Shabbat in a place of receiving because six days God worked and then on the seventh day he rested. So when I align myself with this creation principle, because Shabbat or the principle of the Sabbath existed before the Torah, but not the Torah, before the law in the Torah was given. So Shabbat is actually a creation principle. We read about it in the first few chapters of Genesis. God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. This is before the law was given to Moses. This goes all the way back to creation. So I find when I honor Hashem, when I honor God by resting on the seventh day of the week, making it a day that's different from the other days by not doing the same things, and not, I don't recreate on the day. It's not a day of recreation, but it's a day of restoration in Hashem. It's a day of looking to God to receive from Him. And when I do that, what happens is I receive food. You see, Jesus said his food was to do the will of him who sent him. The same thing is true when we obey the word of Jesus in our life in other areas. For example, when I go visit somebody that I feel the Lord is calling me to visit. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe there's other things that I could be doing, but I sense the Lord says, I want you to, to reach out to that person for me. And out of obedience, I go visit that person or I go reach out to that person. I call them up. I show them love. I sacrifice my own maybe spirit of being tired to go to give. What happens? In doing that, I'm refreshed. I receive food. I'm strengthened. And so I want you to understand, doing the will of God and obeying Him, we don't do it simply because we, we, we want to be obedient, yes, but we do it also because we realize it's life for us. We receive from Him in it. In other words, by obeying God, listen, through whatever commandments, we call them in Hebrew, mitzvot, by obeying Father God, by keeping His commandments, Jesus said, if you love me in John 14, you'll keep my commandments by obeying his commandments, beloved, we create a lifeline between heaven and earth. We're not just doing it out of religious obligation, but in obeying him, we create a channel for Hashem, for the spirit of Elohim, for God's spirit himself to impart himself into our life. 
when we align ourselves with Him, by obeying Him in specific acts of obedience, what we're actually doing is creating a lifeline between Him and us so that we receive Him in obedience. I know the rabbi didn't know the people he was talking to, but I immediately realized that the words were coming from God. Because the one woman who was in front that he ministered to, she's a woman who sometimes uses some of those witchcraft necklaces. And when he was ministering the word, I knew it was coming from God. I command every demon to come out! Satan, I break your power! Satan, I command you to come out! Satan, I command you to come out! In Jesus' name! Satan, I command you to leave! Satan, I command you to leave! I command you to loose this woman! I command you to loose this woman! Lucifer, I command you to release her! I command you to loose her! Look at me! Look at me! Yes, Satan! Look at me! Satan, in Jesus' name! Satan, in Jesus' name! He didn't know the woman, but God knew who the woman was. Therefore, the one who was talking through the rabbi was God. The way God used the rabbi was powerful. His word was like a double-edged sword. You could see the woman responding to the word, and the demon had to go. Has your faith been built up and your passion renewed through Rabbi's teaching from the Old and New Testaments? Are you receiving revelation today that is bringing you a brighter tomorrow? If you've been blessed by the teachings of Rabbi Schneider, we would like to invite you to partner with us in reaching Israel and the world. Visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835 to join in our mission to equip the body of Christ, build the church, and evangelize the world. Your help extends the reach of discovering the Jewish Jesus into places we could never touch without your partnership. Together, we are making a difference and preparing the way for the return of King Jesus. Let me tell you a secret. We can't separate loving God from doing the work of God. Let me say it again. We can't separate loving God from doing the work of God. Remember, we're in John chapter 4. Jesus got done, just got done saying to his disciples when they said, eat something, Rabbi, eat something. I've got food, he said, that you don't know about. And then he went on to verse 34. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Let me just read it again. I want to just bring it back to the text. The disciples were saying to him, the end of verse 31, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And now I'm following this concept up by sharing this. We cannot separate loving God from doing his work and completing the work that he gave us to do. 
Some of us think that we can love God. We go to church on Sundays. We listen to the worship music, which too oftentimes is way too loud. Forgive me for stamping on somebody's toes right now, but I am so uh, distraught by the fact that when I visit churches, so oftentimes the music is so loud that there is absolutely no question that it's damaging people's hearing. And I have to ask myself, is this God that the music has to be so loud that every time God's people come, their eardrums are being damaged? Listen, I'm not making a pet peeve here. This is the truth. Do you know that after a certain decibel of volume, your eardrums will be damaged? Let me ask you a question. How many pair of ears did God give you? He gave you one pair of ears. And if you keep on subjecting yourself to a music, to music that the decibel is so loud, it's over what your eardrums can tolerate without being damaged, you're going to find yourself suffering ear loss, hearing loss early in your life. I know a worship leader that's a good friend of mine. He always turns it up so loud. I've been telling him, why do you do that? Why do you do that? He finally confessed to me. His hearing's damaged. It's damaging everybody's ear, ears. Why are we doing this in the church? It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyways, uh, loving God is not just going into a worship service, you know, where the music is maybe too loud, not always, and thinking, well, we love God because we feel something when the music's playing. No. Loving God is obeying Him. It's doing His commandments. Jesus said, my will is to do the will of Him who sent me. If we love him, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Now watch. I'm going to go to John 17. Forgive me for harping on this, but I really want to stress this. It seems a little redundant perhaps, but I want you to understand. Loving God is a choice. It's not about feeling anything first. It's about doing his will. John chapter 17. We can't separate loving God from doing the work of God. In John 17, Yeshua is about to go to the cross. And this is what he says in verse number four. He says, Father, I glorified you on the earth. Get this now. Having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's expressing his love for the Father. He's saying, Father, I'm so excited that you're going to glorify me again together with you, that we're going to experience what we had together before I came to the world. And then he said, Father, I've completed the work that you gave me to do. He didn't separate loving God from having a feeling and completing the Father's work. They were the same thing. Loving God was doing the work of God. And so what is the work of God? The work of God is to believe in Him, to develop a relationship with Him. And also, as Jesus continues in the text here in John 4, He speaks about being a witness. So let's go back to the text where we're at in John 4. We're looking to uncover the mysteries. The question is, will you receive it? Because I'm about to share something with you that you've heard it so many times, some of you, that it rolls off your back like water off a duck's back. But the fact is, you've never actually done it. Jesus says to the disciples, I've got food that you don't know about. And the food that I've got is to do the will of the Father. Look what he says in the very next verse. Do not say... There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They're white for the harvest already. 
He who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And he sends them then into the harvest field, listen, to be his witnesses and to witness to the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And what was the food? He was sent into the world to be a witness for the kingdom and then to die on the cross for our sins and all the other work that he accomplished in his own body. But immediately after he says, he is food is to do the will of the Father, he tells his disciples what they should be doing, what their food should be. And he starts talking about not making excuses about why you're not witnessing. My food, he said, is to do the will of him who sent me. And then he says, do not say, very next words, do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. What he's saying? He's saying, don't make excuses up while you're not witnessing. Don't say people aren't ready yet. Don't say they don't want to hear. Don't say there's not an opportunity for you. Don't say there are yet four months until the harvest comes. He says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They're already white for the harvest. There's already people in your life. God's created open doors for you to be a witness to. How do you be a witness? You first of all, just be real. Be humble. Don't act like we're better than them, right? We don't witness to people as if we've got it all together. No, we don't lecture them. We don't operate out of pride. We don't use our Bible as a sword. We're simply honest with people. We tell them what we struggle with and we tell them how real Jesus is to us. We share with people what God's done for us. If he's done a miracle, we share it with people. We make Jesus real to other people by being authentic with them. Not as those that hold our lives over theirs as if we're more righteous. We're real. I remember somebody said to me, a person that I just not long ago met, they said that when you talk to us, it doesn't feel like you're preaching to us. They said to me, it feels like you're pulling for us. Why is that? Because I'm humble when I do it by the grace of God. I certainly have a lot of pride to be rooted out of me, but I strive to, to be humble, to, not, to, to just be another human being, to, to say we, not you, we. And I just share, beloved, who Jesus is to me and, and who he is. Beloved, I want you to know we can't know God if we're not willing to do His will. Do you hear me what I'm saying to you? We can't know God if we're not willing to do His will. When we do His will, beloved, His will becomes food for us. As we die to ourselves to be obedient, we're strengthened in the Spirit. The Bible says in the book of Acts, God gives the Holy Spirit to those that obey Him. The Spirit's a gift. But the more we obey, the more we receive. Let's be like Jesus. I just created a website. It's called whoami.com. All you have to do is take the link, whoami.com, and post it on your social media pages, your Facebook, etc. It's a way to be a witness. Beloved, go to whoami.com, check out the three short videos, post it on your social media. Let's be his witnesses in the earth and do his will. Many are familiar with the story of the widow that the Lord appointed to feed Elijah during a time of famine. When Elijah approached the widow, he said, give me something to eat. And she said, well, all I have is a little bit of bread 
and a little bit of oil, and it's enough just for my son and I to eat it, then we'll have nothing and die. Elijah said, just do as I say and go prepare it for me. She obeyed, and not only did Elijah have a meal, but it sustained the widow and her son until it was no longer necessary to do so. The point I'm making is something supernatural happened when she entrusted her possessions to the Lord. I believe that the same thing happens in your life and my life when we honor the Lord with our possessions and trust Him with them. I want to encourage you. If the Lord is using this ministry to bless you and feed you, honor Him with your possessions through it, I'm confident that you're going to receive a supernatural blessing back. This is Rabbi Schneider. Thank you. I love you. And Shalom. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com, call 1-800-777-7835, or text the keyword RABBI to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have been faithful to the Lord with our finances while living. For those of you who like to remember the Lord in your finances when you go to heaven, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. I'm on the Mount of Olives, and I want to close the broadcast today by speaking the blessing that Father God said should be spoken over his people. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord told Moses and Aaron, Speak these words over my people, and I will place my name upon them and bless them. Yavarech Vaishmarecha Yair Yahweh Panavelecha Vihunecha Yisa Yahweh Panavelecha Veasem Shalom. May Father God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord your Father lift you up by His countenance. And Father God is going to continue, His beloved child, to give you His peace. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Today's episode concludes the series, Mysteries in the Gospel of John, Season 5. If you've enjoyed this series and would like to purchase a copy, visit our website or call the number on your screen. 